listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello and welcome to another episode of Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston hoops. I'm your host, Lashara Binkley. You can find me on Twitter at H-Town for like 40, all caps. I'm also director of basketball operation for Overtime Heroics. I am a contributor for Space City Scoop and, of course, a podcast host for Clutch City Control Room. Uh, on today's episode, we have a very special guest, uh, one of the staples of um, – sports broadcasting here in Houston for almost the last 30 years. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Butch Alcindor. He is the former sports director for Channel 11. Uh, he is currently the play-by-play host for uh, a broadcaster for TSU basketball and football, also does play-by-play and color for the Southland Conference, and is a filling host for AT&T Sportsnet Houston uh, Rockets pre- and post-game coverage. And um, like I've been telling a lot of people, um, well, first off, is it okay if I call you Butch? Please do. Please <laughs> okay. do. Thanks for having uh, me. <laughs> no, definitely. No problem at all. And like I've been telling everybody um, when I found out that I was going to be able to interview you, I mean, I grew up uh, watching you on television um, for, you know, 20 years on Channel 11, and it's definitely a pleasure to have you on here today uh, talking to you about your career and, you know, of course, the Rockets. Well, thank you. And, and I, I appreciate that very much. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I get that. And it, it does kind of make you feel a little old there on one hand, but on, on the other side, you know, it feels pretty good. Yeah. And, I, and it's, it's funny you mentioned that because um, the more I, I get into this, uh, you know, you, of course, you've been doing broadcasting a lot longer than I have, but the more I get into it and the more I talk to people that are, a lot younger than me. A lot of stuff I bring up from the 90s, they have no idea what I'm talking about. So, yeah, you, you definitely start to feel old after a while. Um, but, again, thank you for joining us. And um, in this first segment, we're going to kind of go over Butch's you know, long career, um, specifically here in Houston, uh, broadcasting, and talk about some of his experiences. And uh, in the second segment, we're going to go over, of course, unfortunately, the daily drama, which is the Houston Rockets, and kind of I want to get Butch's opinion on the whole James Harden situation. And in the third and final segment, we're going to be going over uh, actual basketball on the court because, of course, the Rockets start tomorrow versus the Thunder uh, in their opening game of this uh, new 2020-2021 uh, NBA season. Uh, so first, Butch, I wanted to um, – Something I actually found out about as I was doing my research that I didn't know, um, that you actually played you know, defensive end at McNeese State. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. And that had a lot to do with uh, uh, me even getting into broadcasting because uh, I, I got to tell you, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana and I wasn't really exposed to a lot of stuff, wasn't really familiar with the recruiting process. So I'd get letters from people and I'd be like, I'm not going. <laughs> and then finally, uh, my mom's like, well, I think you need to go somewhere. So you want to go to college. So you at least need to go check them out. And, and, and basically, my situation was a little weird because I signed my letter of intent to play at Tulane. And um, just because I had an aunt that lived there and 
you know, no other reason. I you just I was fine with that. And uh, and then I went to visit at McNeese and it rained. I didn't get to see any of the campus. And the coach calls me the next day and said, man, you need to come back and check out everything because you didn't get to see anything. You got to go to a football game and it rained the whole time. So there was a guy on the basketball team that had gone to my high school. He was a couple of years older than me, but we were really good friends. And he said, once you come on down, the NCAA, they, they can't pay for your trip again because you've already had your paid recruiting trip. But you can come down and stay with me and check out the campus and all this stuff. And, of course, he brought me to all these parties, and it was a great time. And he, and, and he said at the end, you know, I know you don't have a car, so if you come here to McNeese, I'll, I'll make sure you use my car, and then you'll be fine. You can use my car to get wherever you need to go and Long and short of it is, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I don't have a prep. Why not go to McNeese? I went to McNeese, and it worked out great, of course. But the end of the story is I never got to use that car. I still tease Kevin about it today. I mean, I, I never got to use that car. So, so the old bait and switch, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he good. He was, it, was, it was all in jest. It was all fun. So uh, – as you're, you're playing football at McNeese State, uh, did you kind of just – you kind of saw – did you see yourself as having a career in broadcasting um, after you finished playing? Well, you know, what I saw was not necessarily broadcasting. What, what I saw was I wanted to be a writer for a newspaper. Um, but the way I changed my mind, I, 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 like kids learn from my mistakes. <laughs> I, 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 I did not really check into the, the, the programs fully before I went. And they had no print media, no journalist, print media journalism thing. So yeah. they, what they had was radio and TV broadcasting. So that's what kind of pushed me into that direction right there. And I was fortunate enough to do an internship uh, the summer after my junior, I think, if I remember right, the summer after my, and, and that's what really exposed me to uh, local television. And there was so many things to do. And, and to be honest with you, LaShore, I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, you know, because there were so many aspect, aspects of the building, uh, the, of the business. For a while, I thought I wanted to shoot, got involved with that. I wanted to do some other things. Yes. And, and, and uh, at the end, I wound up, you know, getting right back to what's been the main focus of my entire life which is sports. I mean, I've been involved in sports since a little kid and, uh, you know, finished my, you know, my whole career has been just about sports. And I, I feel very fortunate about that because that, that really doesn't happen. And a, a quick story on how that happened was that uh, my coach at McNeese went on to be president of the university. He was a, he already had a doctorate and stuff. And so the last year I played, he was the president of the university. And I get to the point where I'm about to graduate and I'm like, oh man, just like anybody, I need a job. I mean, yes. <laughs> I really need a job. You know, not never having realized uh, you just pick one of the hardest industries to break into that there is in this country. I mean, you know, it, it's really a tough uh, industry to crack into it. Yes. And I thought about it at the time and I, I realized that our former head coach, who's now the president, uh, was good friends with one of the big backers on the football team who actually owned the local TV station in Lake oh, Charles. Wow. And so uh, not really understanding what happened. I said, well, I'm just going to go talk to Dr. Dolan and, 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 and see if he can talk to this guy. So like any typical college kid, I walk into the president's office. I got my flip flops and the shorts and <laughs> t-shirts. And of course the secretary looks at me like, what the heck are you doing in here, man? And I said, well, I need to talk to Dr. Dolan. She goes, do you have an appointment? 
And I'm like, no, ma'am. And she just flipped him <laughs> like, and then I, you know, I started to kind of get it. Uh, duh, you, you know, you, you're not handling this the right way. Yeah. But, but she, she, she buzzed him anyway. And she says, I, you know, I have a guy here. He said he played for you. He needs to talk to you about something. And, 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 and the door just flung open and he came out and he said, Hey, Al Sander. He never said my name. Right. But he, we always <laughs> had a great yeah. <laughs> relationship. He's come on in. What can I do for you? And because he had always told me the, the time we were playing, if you ever need something, just let me know. Whatever it is, I will try to do whatever I can to make it happen. And a lot of times they would help us get jobs in the summer and in the, in the fall. I knew I never went on a spring break in my life. But I went in, told him what I was going to do. So he griped in and there with me sitting there. He called the president and owner of this TV station and said, I got one of my guys, man. He's a good guy. He spent four years in this thing. He did an internship with you guys this summer. Do you have anything you can do for him? He said, yeah, we'll just send him down here on Monday. We'll figure out something. So as I'm leaving the office, he said, here's the thing. Your foot's in the door. It's, it's, that's all it is. It's just your foot stopping that door from slamming in your face. That's all you got. So you're going to have to go in there and find the rest of your way on your own. And, you know, and I really appreciated that because a lot of people, that's all they need is an opportunity. And yes. if you get an opportunity, you can make the most of that opportunity. And I was very fortunate along the way because I got in there and I did everything except uh, maybe take out the garbage. And I probably did that a few times. But <laughs> I, so I did every, I, got, I got exposed to every part of it. And like I said, everything always seemed to flow back to sports. You know, and it just it just worked out. I got there and uh, 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 stayed a few years to, to kind of figure out what's going on, learn the craft. And I eventually got to be a sports director, which, again, in itself was I can't remember what year that was. But that was pretty I had a, a, a friend of mine tell me, he said, you know, you were the first uh, black sports director in Louisiana. And oh, wow. I, I, I couldn't believe it. But I, and when I started thinking about it, I, I said, I'm guessing he's right. Like, who else would they have been if you think about the places that had TV stations? Um, so it was, you know, it was just a blessing. And I was lucky to get with a good agent. This woman was representing one of our main anchors, saw me on a tape. She said, hey, look, I'd love to represent you. If you don't mind, I'm like, you can do it if I don't have to pay you anything. Because I got <laughs> zero right now. Zero. And she go, no, 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 that comes after I get you a job. You know, that's all fine. And so she literally, in a very short period of time, took me from Lake Charles, which was the 171st market, to Baltimore, which was 21st at yes. that time. So it was a huge jump in pay, jump and jump in everything. And, you know, it was an experience. You know, you get there and you think, you know, just it's, it's, it's I was over my head. My first story, I was doing a live shot on Ted Turner's yacht in the Patasco <laughs> River. I mean, wow. his, his son was, was, captain thing, was the captain of, captain of the yacht, and we were doing live shots on, 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 on this yacht. So needless to say, you have to jump in quick and just, uh, you know, deal with it. And, yes. uh, but it, it, it was a great experience. Yeah, that's, that's definitely some background, be doing sports on a yacht. That's <laughs> yeah. not a lot of people can say that. <laughs> I, w I had a four-man crew with me, and I guess one of the guys must have realized just by looking at me that this, this boy, he's about to have a huge anxiety attack because he, <laughs> he kind of walked up behind me and whispered in my ear, and he said, all you need to do is focus in on your business. We yes. got the rest. You know, we got <laughs> the rest. And you know what? I, I used that advice for the rest of my career. Anytime I was in a situation, because in broadcasting, as you well know, something is always going to go wrong. 
Yes, something sir. is going to go wrong. And, and so you just have to deal with it in the moment. And I've always remembered that. Do your little thing the best way you can do it and let other people do their jobs. And, and sometimes they're going to get it right. Sometimes they won't. But you make sure you get your end of it right. And it doesn't look nearly as bad. That's definitely true. That's some, that's some great, great uh, advice for sure, because I've definitely dealt with that. And okay. spe- speaking of your time in Baltimore, then you from Baltimore, you come to Houston. Is that correct? Yes. And that was so, uh, really go. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say. So I was just going to ask you, um, was there a difference in the sports scene? I mean, of course, I know it's a difference in the cities, of course. But was there a difference in the sports scene going from Baltimore and coming to Houston? You know what? The, both cities are really into sports. And that was a good thing about it. I got to Baltimore at such a unique time. I mean, it, it was really uh, all in timing. When I got there, the Orioles were playing their final season at Memorial Stadium because Camden Yards was being built and they were moving into Camden Yards the next year. So I got my first year there at Memorial Stadium with all that history and everything that was going on with that to my second year there to, into a brand new Camden Yards. So, I mean, and that, that was just so cool, but I had never covered baseball before. That's what was, because, you know, you're in Lake Charles, you know, well, I've covered yeah. the college baseball, but we would go to do the, because Lake Charles is so close to Houston, we would pick out an Astros game and go down and do an Astros game and do interviews that could last me for a week, you know, just do a bunch of generic interviews and, and punch them in as needed because they weren't going to let me run the Houston every week. So that, that, you know, that was a, that was a treat. But uh, when I got to Baltimore, it was a new experience. And Frank Robinson, uh, hall of famer, Frank Robinson, who, who recently passed is uh, he was the, he was the manager at the time. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure it's something he did to all the new guys. And you, you go in there and I got an interview with Frank and, and he did all his interviews in his office. So we're all piled around his desk and we're in there and I'm like, you know what, you, look, you got to ask some kind of question. The guy's not going to know who you are. You have to get yeah. in there and get this. And I, I, I made the ultimate, ultimate mistake. And I said, coach, can you tell us about blank, blank, blank? And Frank just looked at me. He sat up there and just looked at me and like he was like counting in his head. And I'm like, and it just making the tension rise even more because he's just looking at me. And he said, son, don't call me coach. You call me Frank or you call me Skip. Don't you ever call me coach. (laughs) I'm like, oh, crap. And then I found out later, we were later in the year, we were doing a, a Magic Johnson had an all-star game in D.C., and so we were down there covering that and a lot of stuff. And so I'm, I'm watching shoot around, and Frank comes up behind me because he was one of the uh, celebrity coaches. And he comes and he puts his arm around me, and he said, how you doing, son? You know, and just gave me that <laughs> smile, like letting me know that, hey, I was just messing with you, man. <laughs> so, that, that, you know, that, that experiences like that, you don't forget and, and being around people like that. And, but, but both towns were really into their sports. I mean, the Colts had left town and the Ravens were about to start, but they hadn't started yet while yes. I was there. So uh, you still had the Baltimore Colts marching band oh. in existence. <laughs> and, and they were actually marching in every parade. So that tells you how big this town is, uh, how much they love their sports and, you know, how big a deal it is for them. It really does. So I, I enjoyed my time there. Got to meet a lot of good guys, you know, uh, uh, work with a bunch of great guys there. Vince Bagley was the sports director. Of course, he had been 
guy, he worked until he was like 65 or 66, which is oh. really unusual in this business. Yes. Uh, but uh, so I had a good time there. But the ironic thing about it was, and I, just to show you how you never know what's going to happen. I'm at a Super Bowl and it's, um, I guess it's uh, the, it was the Redskins and the Bills. So that would have been Super Bowl 26, maybe. I'm just going off the top of my head. Maybe it was yeah. 26 because we're covering the Redskins against the Bills. And it's in Minneapolis. And so all the CBS affiliates, you know, you work with the main CBS thing and, and they, they do all the live shots. So you send the anchors up, in this case, on top of the Metrodome to do the live shots out there in the snow and the cold and all this stuff. And you just line up and you go basically one at a time. Sometimes you go uh, at the same time. It just depends on when your shot hits. So sometimes you're talking at the same time other people are talking, but you just lined up. like It's like a cattle call. You just lined up right next to each other. So you really have to focus on your business. Well, for that whole week, the guy I was next to, for whatever reason, happened to be Giff Nielsen, who happened oh, to be the sports director yes. in Houston. We Small didn't know world. anything about it. Yeah, and then lo and behold, two years later, I'm going to Houston. So, I mean, yes. who would have ever known from that uh, deal? We're out there in the snow and the cold doing these live shots and just chit-chatting a little bit. And then, <laughs> you know, before you know it, two years later, uh, you know, I'm down in Houston. Wow, that's yeah, definitely a small world. I mean, you know, people my age, of course, we all know who Giff Nelson is. Yeah, you know, definitely another one of those longtime broadcasts that everybody watched. And I mean, so you're, you're coming to Houston in 1993, is that correct? That sounds about right. Yeah. So you're coming right before the the Rockets, you know, first championship uh, the year before. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you've covered a lot of memorable things over the years, you know, while you were at Channel 11. Like, what's some of the, the more memorable, you know, sporting events you covered here in uh, Houston? Well, you just mentioned it. I covered the Rockets' two championships. And that first one, I went to every playoff series. And, and, and that was just uh, – man, that was incredible. Not just because they won. And the way – there was so much stuff that, that happened that year. They had such a good team. You know, I mean, that was yes. the year the Hakeem, Kenny Smith, Vernon Maxwell, you know, I mean, they, they had such a good team. But uh, the things that, you know, talk about things that people don't necessarily know about. Well, uh, we got to New York for the middle part of that series and Vernon um, Maxwell flew in the four other starters from his high school basketball team because oh, he wanted to share this experience with them. That's so awesome. they were there and they, they were up there shooting around after practice. And, you know, so they, you know, it was kind of cool to see stuff like that. And the thing everybody knows about, and this is why I'll never forget that series, game five, we're at Madison <laughs> Square Garden sitting down there. And all of a sudden, here comes the OJ yes. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, I, it, just, it was just unbelievable. And I'm sitting down there because I had left my seat uh, to go get something to eat. And so I'm in the press room and they have it on the, uh, you know, on the TV there, and then they have the game on another TV. And, and eventually, I think NBC went to a split screen of the game and the chase. But at the stadium, at, at the beginning, you know, if you were on the floor, you could only see the basketball game. And so I just happened to be in there right when they, they, they flipped. Hey, man, the, the, the police are chasing OJ. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm trying to keep up with the basketball game, but you, you can't help but watch that. Yeah. And then it, it, then it started to get surreal because – celebrities started coming into the press room because they wanted to see the TV. You know, J uh, JFK Jr. came in with uh, Daryl Hannah 
And uh, uh, one of the Avery Brooks, I don't know if you're, if you're a Star Trek fan, Avery Brooks, yes. the Star Trek captains came in and it was just like, <laughs> my God, you know, and, and I'll tell you, you know, what was so bizarre about that? You just to show you how crazy it was. Um, I guess it was because that would have been in the spring because yes. so that, that fall, if I'm not mistaken, we had we it seems that we went to San Francisco for a Christmas Day game, the Oilers were playing the 49ers. And I'm pretty sure it was earlier that year. Well, because Giff Nielsen, who's in the College Football Hall of Fame, was a backup for the Oilers for years yes. and years. You know, he, he knows a lot of these guys. Well, we're on the field before the game. Here comes OJ. So Giff looks at me and said, you want to meet OJ? I said, man, I'd love to meet OJ. So he comes over. He was just the nicest guy. I mean, just couldn't be more personable. <laughs> I mean, crazy. just kind of. I, I told him. I said, "Hey, you know, I, I told him the story about because I I have a, a, a what would you call it a, a third degree of separation or whatever connection to him because yes. my mom had actually babysat for him like years ago when oh, when, 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 when he was a kid because <laughs> we have cousins in California and there was some kind of connection there. So we we're talking about all this and he's the nicest guy and so. Uh, when I remember sitting in my hotel room in New York when the news broke about Nicole Brown Simpson. And it just made you sick because I'm thinking, oh, my God, OJ must be going crazy. You know, He must yes. be like, you know, because he seemed like such the nicest fellow. And then as the whole thing progressed, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm like, this is wow. It, you know, it, so it, that thing whole took an entirely different turn. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm sure you go from just talking normal conversation to wow, I was just talking to yeah, probably so, the most famous person in the world. Now. <laughs> well, and it's just like you never dreamed that you'd be involved in anything. Like yeah, that. but but uh, you were talking about some of the that's something that I'll never forget because of that. I got to interview Michelle Obama at the White House. That was just that that oh, may be wow. my all time memory from that. And it came out and it came up. It was just luck. Uh, uh, I was on a bike at the gym. Uh, trying to get in a workout before I went in to do the six and the 10. And one of our assignment editors called and said, um, uh, you, we got a call from the White House and they want, want to know if you want to go and interview the first lady. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, this has got to be a yeah. joke. You know? <laughs> you know? And he, so the guy like, well, I didn't know you knew anybody at the White House. And I'm like, I don't. Uh, and he goes, well, look, hey, look, I'm telling you, they called, they wanted to talk, they wanted to know if you were still here, and they wanted to know if you would come to do this interview. So I called the White House, well, one of her aides back, and as it turned out, it's just to show you how you just never know about things. This guy who was part of her PR staff, part of her communications department, they had a meeting, and they always would invite news anchors uh, from around the country. You know, they, they, they've been doing this for years and years. They never deviate from that. He suggested in the meeting, why don't we invite, like literally, a handful of sports directors? We're going to invite five sports directors because they were hosting the LA Galaxy who had just won the MLS championship. And so he said, well, we'll invite these sports directors and let them bring soccer kids, you know, teams from that area. So it turned out, the guy whose idea, who came up with all of this, had played basketball at Bel Air High School with Emoka, 
Emeka Okafor oh, yes. and uh, John Lucas Jr. and all those guys. And he remembered me coming out there doing stories on him. And he, when he called, he said, look, I wasn't one of the big stars on that team and stuff. But he said, I remember you coming out and how you were always so nice and you talked to everybody and stuff like this. And I, I thought it would just be a great idea. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, you know, that was the connection there. And then he just, cause he remembered that. And so I, we go and it's, uh, I'll tell you a funny story though. Uh, we get to DC, uh, we go out to dinner and a couple, a couple of guys that were with, they were going to go do some other things. I said, no, I'm going back to my room. I'm going to study. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to interview the first lady. Man. Yeah, I gotta, definitely. You know, <laughs> understand what this stuff is about. And I don't, I don't want to look like an idiot. So the next morning, get up early, I ordered breakfast in the room and doing all this stuff. And, 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 and lo and behold, I go to brush my teeth after breakfast, about to walk out the door to go across the street to the White House. I had a, a, a chipped tooth that was repaired and something I bit while I was eating breakfast knocked the filling out. Oh, wow. So, you talk about look like country come to Washington. <laughs> with that. You know, I, I go in there and, you know, it's, uh, it, but you know what? That took all the anxiety away, all the tension away. Sure. It ended up, everything went well after that. I mean, she, it, you know, we got to chat a little bit before we actually did the interview. Turned out we both share the same birthday. We were both born on January 17th. Oh, that wow. kind of helped to break the ice even more. And so by the time I was done, I'd forgotten about the tooth. And, <laughs> and the best thing about it was we took pictures after the interview. And so when they sent out all the pictures, you know, the White House touched up everything. You, you couldn't you yeah. even tell. There's just no way you could tell. But that was a great thing. There's so many things, you know. I, I could go on and on. We went to London with the Rockets, you know, after they won, they won the championship, yes. I guess, in 95. Uh, that was great. I mean, we were there for like eight days with them while they played in the McDonald's championship. So that was a cool thing to do. I mean, just to watch how they were perceived. Uh and you keep in mind then the NBA was, you know, we didn't have the amount of foreign players back yes. then as we do now. And the skill level of the foreign players weren't as good as they are today. So the Rockets were just kings. I mean, in fact, you know, Hakeem and them didn't even play. It was just all the other guys, and, and they won the tournament easily. But we got to go to Madame Tussauds, the big wax museum. And, I mean, the best thing about it, we went with the team. So it's just like, show up, up, go straight on in. Yeah. <laughs> right to the front <laughs> line. <laughs> was wrapping around the building like three times, but we got to check out all that stuff. So, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's, uh, 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 in, I, well, I got to do Oprah. Got to do. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Other, oh, it, it was technically the bachelor before the bachelor. <laughs> that's something <laughs> no it really was i don't know how she got the idea but she invited uh, uh she called it single men of tv news and she invited guys from all there was a guy from entertainment tonight there was a guy from uh some other news magazine show yes. you know guys from a couple of the affiliates and, and you and you went on basically on her show the first time in a video and you did a video and then all these ladies would, would send you messages and, and, and pictures and stuff. And then you had to pick one to go on a, a date with, uh, and then come on the show. So the next time we went on the show. And so that whole thing was, uh, really, really an interesting experience. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. I had, uh, the guy was handling our mailroom at channel 11 at the time. He, he keep coming to dump this mail on my desk and he said, look, man, 
I'm going to buy a six-pack of beer, and I'm going to come by your house. We're just going to go through. I'm going to help you go through, through the mail, yeah. <laughs> so there's some interesting letters in there for sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of things. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't pick one thing. I mean, I, I loved doing the All-Star games. That was something I, I really loved, whether it was baseball or basketball. I mean, those things were always a lot of fun to cover. Um, just, you know, just, just so many experiences that, that uh, I guess, it expand that long a time at it. But I, I put something on um, Facebook because today was the anniversary of an emergency landing we made in a helicopter yeah, in I saw Columbus. That. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, dude, it's, you, would you name it, it it's happened. <laughs> That's that's a lot of uh, it's see that's why it's great to you know to talk to you because there's only so much you can get from research like some of the stuff I had no idea about I, I had no idea about the Oprah part I'm sure that was sure that was definitely an experience to <laughs> to go through. Um, and, the best and, part was that the guy who picked me up at the airport he, they they send this dude in a limo to pick me up at the airport man I think that was might have been the second time I'd been in a limo in my entire yeah. life so we get to the <laughs> hotel and he goes. Sir, will you be needing me for the rest of the night? And I thought for a second because I had nowhere to go. You know, I didn't in Chicago. I, I I almost went down and said, "Hey, can we just go ride around for yes. a little bit? <laughs> Take of, advantage since of since it. You're here, yeah. So that was pretty cool. So I mean, like speaking of all your experience, different experiences. So so now you're doing you know play by play for you know TSU and Southland Conference and. Also doing some hosting on um, AT and T Sportsnet. Like, how full of plate is your? <laughs> how full of a a day do you have now? Um, trying to you know juggle all these different you know assignments that you have. Well, it just depends. Before COVID, it was it was it was you know kind of it was a little difficult to juggle it all, but it was a lot of fun because of what I was doing. But since COVID, everything got changed, and most of the games that I, I was doing football wise got moved to the spring so yeah. uh that left a, a gigantic hole and even the the baseball aspect of it uh, uh switched and then the member the nba was in the bubble last year yes. so that switched the uh schedule so i'm uh, kind of waiting looking waiting really to see how it's going to shake out this year because uh one thing doing the fill-in work at at&t man I, I, that's a lot of fun because uh, you sit down there with Calvin Murphy. It's not work. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, I've known Calvin since I I first got to Houston. I mean, it, we we go way back, and so the 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 first day because I've been doing this a couple of years now with them, and and the first day he comes in there, and I'm I'm sitting down at the desk. We're at we're at the uh, Toyota Center, and he comes up and he goes, Butch. Oh my God. He goes, are you going to host? I'm like, yeah, I'm hosting. Oh, we're going to have fun with this. And so he goes on and so, uh, right beforehand, I said, well, Calvin, is there any particular way you want me to set you up? What do you want to do about this? He goes, you just lead my brother and I will follow you wherever you go. So that's awesome. That's <laughs> catch is great working with him and all the people over there. Kevin is a great guy. You know? Yes. And, uh, just, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's a different thing because what I like about it is you do the sports at a place, let's say you do the six and the 10 o'clock sports. You're so limited on time. 
I mean, you just you 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 just here. You can kind of explain things. You have time. You're not being rushed out of a yeah. segment. You're not being. I mean, it's a better fit, I think, for me because you know you get to, you got these. Uh, basically, when I left the eleven, I think you had a minute and a half at six, and maybe two minutes at ten. I mean, that's that's not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the other good thing about it is at AT and T, they have a lot of great people behind the scenes. You know, Julia does a great job with the Astros. I mean, they, you know. Kevin, I mean, just just everybody there. It's just a, it's a good situation. I mean, they got a, a great situation over there. Yeah, y'all definitely y'all definitely do a great job on there. And uh, one other question I want to ask before we wrap up this first segment, um, kind of what I kind of want to know is: is Calvin suits as spectacular in person as they are on television? <laughs> you know, I, when I was at Channel Eleven, I actually when I was teasing him one night at a Rockets game, and, and he goes. Well, come on over to the house. I'll let you see the whole thing. So I go over to the house to do a story, a feature story, basically on his clothes. That man, <laughs> you could live in his closet. I'm not kidding you. You could live in his closet. He's got so many of those suits. And I'm like, why are you keeping this? <laughs> you know? You know? The good, the good thing about it is he stays in such great shape. He, he, yes. you know, you know, he could probably still wear something he wore 20 years ago. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it, but I mean, you can only imagine just what that closet looked like. With, I mean, he could just oh, like uh, he the could colors. Somebody, yes. Oh, I mean, he's like uh, he was Joe Exotic before Joe Exotic. Yes. Minus the tigers and stuff. He was, uh, you know. So it, 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 no, those, those are very impressive. I mean, and you know what? It's only Calvin could pull it off. Yeah, I mean, that, somebody was telling exactly. me, a friend of mine was saying, man, you need to step up your game. You up there with Calvin, you need to, I'm like, come on, man. Nah, I can name nobody going to step up your <laughs> game like that, you know. Calvin's the only one can pull that off. That is that is for sure. <laughs> um, so that's going to wrap up our first segment. And uh, in the second segment, we're going to – I'm going to get Butch's opinion on the whole James Harden situation and how he kind of sees this playing out. Um, so – Please stay tuned, and we will be right back. And welcome back to the Launchpad Podcast. Uh, We are here with a very special guest, uh, Mr. Butch Alcindor. And I wanted to get your opinion, uh, of course, on the biggest story going on right now in Houston, and that's the whole James Harden situation. Um, So let me ask you, Butch, so First off, what is your kind of your impression of how all this has played out during this offseason with Harden? Well, it, it was uh, for there's so much information that have come out recently that a lot of us didn't know about. So a lot of this stuff we're just finding out about now. And, 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 it, and it seems like they, you know, they had some of the Harden rules for James and then some other rules for the rest of the team. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I'm kind of surprised. Uh, I, I was one of those people. I guess I shouldn't be, but I was one of the people that thought that the situation with Westbrook would, would really uh, work out, not because of their skill, because obviously there's a, uh, their skill set doesn't match. I mean, you can tell. I mean, James is the score outside shooter. Westbrook's, Westbrook is the slasher. Uh, so I, but I thought it was going to work out with Russ because those two have a relationship. And I know that's one of the most important things with James, just by watching them and just being around there a little bit. Um, they grew up together. You know, they had a relationship. James wanted this, wanted him here in Houston. I, I just thought they would be, by sheer sheer personality alone, they would be able to make it work. And 
man, it, 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 you know, it didn't, it just didn't work out that way. It didn't work out that way on the court at all. And you look back this way, it didn't work out with the white Howard. You know, the best situation to me was when Chris Paul was there. I still contend if Chris Paul did not get hurt, the Rockets would have won the NBA title that year. I mean, they, they played that well together. They played that tough. They would have beaten the Warriors. I mean, they're just, um, uh, so, you know, I don't know. I'd be, put it this way. The way things have gone down now, I'd be surprised if uh, he's still here for the whole season. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. And then if he is here, you know, what kind of effect will that have on the team? Hopefully it won't have any effect on the team. The best thing about James is when if, if he's here, then you don't worry about the offense as much because yes. you know he's going to bring 35, 40 a night. And on a good night, it's going to be 50, almost 60 points a night. So – uh, when you have him here, you know, that takes away one worry right there. You don't have to worry about the offense. And, and, and I think James Harden is an underrated defensive player. You know, I mean, I've watched him enough last year to see that he, he is really a, t- a tough defender when he wants to be in those situations. So I, I don't think he gets enough credit for his defense. So uh, it becomes, if he does leave, then how do you replace the James Harden? Where, where are you going to get that point total from? Well, you're going to see some other guys step up because these guys are pros. They all can score. It's just whether or not, you know, you get your shot at the right time. I mean, that's going to open a big door for Eric Gordon. Now, of course, it depends on, let's say they do move him, what they get in return. That's going to yes, be the true. big part of it. Yeah, I mean, that's what's going to be. Uh, so we'll just have to see. I've been impressed, though, with that Christian Wood so far. I mean, he. He's, uh, you know, he's looked like a big guy that can run the floor a little bit and, and, and do some things. And, uh, uh, but I, I just also want to see Steven Silas. Um, it's just good to see a guy like that uh, get his opportunity. You know, he's been around the game a long time. He's got the pedigree. His dad, I can remember watching his dad play for the Celtics when I grew up. Uh, <laughs> yes. Paul Silas. So, um Everybody says this guy is a really good coach. I mean, that he's just the only thing that he was missing was an opportunity, and this is going to be his opportunity. And uh, I'm sure he would rather have had a situation coming in where you got a team where everything is set, where you know what you're going to roll with. And uh, but they'll get to that point. You know, they'll make a decision here pretty soon. And you know, it could work out where James will end up being here, and it may not work out. So either way, I think Stephen Silas realizes. Uh, this is my team, whether we have him or not. We just we still gonna have to play the games. Yeah, and kind of speaking of uh, Coach Salas, I was gonna ask you, um, how do you think? You know, what's your impressions of him uh, and uh, Rafael Stone so far, as far as how they just handled this entire situation? Because I mean, it's a really unique situation, and like you said, kind of dealing with this as your first, uh, you know job as a head coach how do you think they've handled the situation so far well I think they've done as well as they can you know I saw James say the other day when he reported you know he was asked about it and he said well I have talking about uh Raphael Raphael Stone uh like he said we haven't talked yet or we haven't we haven't visited (laughs) yet so uh you know a a situation like this uh it's all on James you know you know this is a player driven league uh and I'll take it one step further than that. It's a superstar-driven yes. league. So uh, Daryl Morey had a situation where he and James, apparently from all indications, had a really good relationship. And that's something, if he stays, that's going to have to develop. So 
I, you know, these things that there's no blueprint to handle a situation like yeah. this. I mean, cause you kind of, you know, you, you think about it, you go in, you'd be all hard nosed about it and then you get everybody all upset. And then you, all of a sudden you've got a dissension just falling over the place. If you, if you're too soft about it, then you don't have the respect of your other players. So you have to straddle that line, find that fine line, um, to work this thing out. You have to be a diplomat, you know, <laughs> you know, you got to wear a lot of hats as a basketball coach and Steven, even, you know, he looks like a young guy, but he's been around a long time. You know, he's been around and he's worked for some really good coaches. So, um, I, I got to feel like he, he's, he knows what he's doing and, this is his shot and they will, you know, rectify this situation soon and, and move on because they don't have much time. Who do they play tonight? It's, uh, or is it tomorrow? Tomorrow they play yeah, tomorrow, the Thunder. The Thunder, the yes. thunder yeah. So uh, you just got to roll with what you got. Yeah, true. And, um, and you kind of mentioned Dan Tony there. I mean, the situation with Dan Tony was kind of, you know, the situation was kind of written already as far as how it was going with the negotiation. But were you surprised at all when Daryl Morey stepped down and eventually took the job with the 76ers? I was. I was. And then uh, when, I, when I first heard the news, because he'd been such a staple with the Rockets for so long. But then when you start looking at the big picture about the whole thing, I, uh, uh, I wasn't surprised. I mean, Daryl's a good guy, and he 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 feels uh, very strongly, like he should, about a lot of these, um, the, these moral issues, yes. uh, human rights, and other things like that. And um, nobody will say. I'm sure there are still people in the NBA who weren't very happy about that situation. You know, it cost the NBA some money. Um, but I, him leaving the Rockets, no, I was surprised because he's been here forever. He's been. He look look at the players that he, he does a masterful job of bringing players in and out. I, I just remember even Rick Adelman one, one time, he, you know, Rick Adelman for him, he might thought it might've been too much because it seemed like every time he would get a group that he <laughs> felt like he was about to, you know, there'd be somebody else coming in. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's what the game is now. I mean, that's what everybody's into. They're into the stats. They're into the, you know, that's why the Rockets were doing the three ball, you know, the, you know, take three to your two. Um, and when you have a James Harden, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily a bad offense at all. And, and kind of speaking of the, uh, the three ball, uh, before we wrap up this second segment, uh, I want to get your opinion. Uh, I want to go back a little bit to last year. What was your opinion overall of small ball and when you kind of saw them trade away Capella for Covington? What was kind of your impressions of that? And did you, uh, when it first happened, did you see it working or did you see it more of a, like a gimmick? Well, I, I when it, when it first came out, I thought this is going to be a gimmick, you know, it's got to <laughs> be. And if it, and it's one of those things that's kind of like the run and shoot offense and yes. football when they first brought it. I remember Miles Davis and those guys with the gamblers when they were first trying to do that. And then people uh, improved upon it. And those things are gimmicks until they work. And when they work, <laughs> then it's a copycat league where there's NBA, NFL, whatever. Then everybody starts copying and then they'll do their version of it. And, it's just very tough because in that, that series against the Lakers, you could see the point where the Lakers just said, we're going to put our big boy pants on and we're just going to start playing the muscle game. And, uh, you know, it didn't work in that situation. So, I, you know, I, it was just going to put it, but I think it's good to try things. It's good to throw things out there. You know, they, they had the personnel to try something like that. And, uh, 
uh, you can't fault D'Antoni for saying, okay, this is what we got. Let's see if we can run with this and see if it's, if it's going to work. Um, but I think one of the – maybe the most unheralded, unheralded people on that team, and I didn't want to forget to, to mention him because he's just uh, – I think it's P.J. Tucker. I mean, that guy – Reminds me a lot of Mario Mario Ellie. Yes, um, because Mario did now. Mario was a better offensive uh, player because he could take it to the hole, he could shoot the three, he could do all that. But he was also really tough, hard nosed defensive player. And, and PJ's in there battling with people. You know, sometimes the height advantage is he he has no chance. You would think, and he's up there <laughs> battling. Sometimes yeah. he comes down with the ball. So that guy is a. Um, really a force for the Rockets. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I just can't wait to see this team. I, I just don't take much out of exhibition. You know, they, they, I think they won three of the four. Yes. It's just, it's just hard to see much in, in, in the exhibition season. Uh, we'll see now from here forward and see what goes on with James. Whatever happens, I just hope they can rectify it soon so that, um, you know, they, they can kind of find that this is our team. This is what we have. Let's start working on what's the best scenario for our team. What can we do to make our team the best team and, and challenge for the championship? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. It's kind of hard because all, all the players haven't played in preseason. And, and, you know, a lot of teams are not playing as starters. So it's definitely going to be very interesting tomorrow to see how it all comes together. You know, assuming, which it kind of seemed like now that Harden will still be there. And uh, that kind of lead us into our last segment where we'll talk about more on the court uh, for this upcoming season. Now I'll get Butch's opinion on how they'll look on the court. So please stay tuned. And we are back for the last segment of the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Okay, and we are back with our uh, special guest, Mr. Butch Alcindor, as we wrap up uh, today's podcast. And in this final segment, we're going to be going over more of the on-court uh, situation going on with the Rockets with the opening night uh, for the Rockets being tomorrow versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, Butch, I want to ask you, um, as, we kinda, as you kind of mentioned in the last time, it's kind of hard to get a gauge on them just from preseason games. But um, do you, just from on paper, do you see this team – being better equipped to win um, with um, being able to have big men and be able to still run the, the small ball part of their game. Do you see them better equipped to win this year with their uh, current roster? I, I think they are. And I think Steven Silas is going to put his brand on this team. You know, uh, Dan Tony did a lot of different things and, and Mike did a really good job, but I think you're going to see, especially as the season goes on, you're going to see Steven Silas putting his brand on the team. It's going to become more and more of his team. And one of the things that I'm anxious to see on the court is I want to see John Wall and James Harden. Yes. And, you know, that may have a lot to do with whether or not James Harden has moved, whether or not he stays here or not, how that combination works. You know, if that combination is successful, then, you know, I'm sure, you know, and they win. Winning takes care of a lot of the ills. So, I mean, <laughs> yes. we think things are going to be very good. But uh, John Wall, of course, when he came out of college, you know, much held it. Uh, I know he's had some injury issues since, uh, but he says he's happy to be here. You know, a really talented player. Just can, can he and James Harden, you know, uh, 
coexist? Can they play off each other? It, will that turn out to be a good mix? Will there be good chemistry between them? You know, and you think about a guy like Eric Gordon, we mentioned him before. And you can punch Eric anywhere anyway. He could be a starter. He can come off the bench. I mean, he, you know, he likes doing both, and, and he doesn't really have an issue with it. So, um, But I like the, the situation with Wall and Harden. I, I know, you know, that's what I'm watching and foremost, just to see how those two could run together, um, whether they – how much they go to the inside game. Do Are, are they still going to be a three-point team? I mean, I'm just – like I said, it's just hard for me to gather – that much out of what they were trying to do in preseason. Yes. The one thing I did notice was, though, they spent a lot of time on defense. Uh, uh, Coach Silas said that's one thing they would be doing. And, um, you know, I have noticed some improvement there with the way they've, they've approached the defensive side. And like you said, now there's a lot of different personnel on the floor, but it seems like that may be our focus this year, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, and uh, you spoke about Eric Gordon. Let me ask you, because this is always kind of a big topic on Rockets Twitter and in social media. I mean, do you see, because Eric Gordon also was hurt a lot last year, and I think that kind of factored into some of his bad shooting. Do you see him having a more of a bounce back year this year? I do. I do. Because it, what, what a lot of the fans don't take into consideration is um, these guys, from once the season starts, from the minute the season starts, you know, you're going to be battling injuries throughout. And to find every time you go on the court, you're not going to be, you know, full speed ahead. You're not going to be full strength. And that's one of the things that all these guys understand that they have to play through. That is part of the game. That's why they're there. And so that's a little bit of what Eric was doing last year. You know, he was dealing with a lot of injuries and stuff, and yet he wanted to be out there with them. And uh, uh, now he's healthy. And I think we're going to see a huge difference uh, in his game. That's going to be a really big deal for him. I, I just, uh, uh, he's a guy that can add some of that instant offense. Uh, how is he going to mix? Uh, I think they're talking about using him off the bench right now. You've got James, James Harden and you've got John Wall. And how does Eric Gordon fit into that mix? Yes. You know, you start wondering last year at, at, at times I was wondering, you know, I thought it, I thought it might be a situation where, do they have enough basketballs to go around? But it wasn't that because, you know, James has got to get his shots. And, and, and but he's so powerful and so explosive. I mean, he, you have to let him get his shots because he's unstoppable. I mean, he, yeah. I, it's so fun, <laughs> it's fun to watch this guy. You know, I've heard a lot of people, well, he bogs down the off, he does this, that. But, you know, he's unstoppable. He takes it, he scores at will, going to the hole. He's got no range. I mean, he can shoot jumpers from half court. I mean, he's got too much range is what I should say. His range is just unbelievable. Uh, so everything's going to start with him. I mean, that's, that's going to be a good place to start. But, uh, you know, House and McLemore, you know, they can score. You know, they got guys that can do uh, things. And so um, it's just a matter of what, what uh, Stephen Silas, Silas wants to do. And how soon can they start playing with 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 uh, how soon does how long does it take for the Rockets to become his team? Yeah. For him to, so we can see what his signature is, you know, what what he wants this team to be about. And it won't take that long, really. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so because, like you said, even though this is his first head coaching job, he's been assistant coach for twenty years. And I mean, when your father's Paul Silas, you kind of already have that coaching DNA in your blood. So, yeah, I don't think it'll take him that long to kind of, you know, get it to a point where it's, it's his philosophy, it's his team. And 
Uh, speaking of, you know, being his team and uh, also Harden, let's just assume Harden is there for the entire year. Um, what's kind of your prediction if, you know, if we get relative help from Wall and Cousins, what is kind of your prediction for where the Rockets will finish in the West? Well, I, I also think that uh, just like what we're seeing uh, in the NFL right now and in college football, yeah. Uh, COVID is going to play a huge yes, role in, in all of this. You know, last year, the, the, the whole NBA was in the bubble in Florida. And, you know, that worked. I know the, the guys got bored. It was just, you know, they, they didn't like it. They hated yeah. it. But, <laughs> I mean, it was the best situation. If you look at all the pro teams, the NBA, as far as I can remember, I think there was only one case of uh, COVID. I mean, they, it worked. Yeah with what they were doing work. So this year they're trying something else. It's like starting over again. And so they're going to have their protocols and all that stuff. And I think that's going to have just as much of a factor on everything. Um, uh, to me, this, this college football season has kind of been, you know, you have to, it, it, it's a season they did the best they could, but it's kind of like the baseball season. You know, you have to put an asterisk by it because, sure. you know, you can't have a 60-game season and compare that to a 162-game season. Well, college football, you have this guy canceling this game, this canceled this game. Yes. I mean, if Ohio State, they had to change the, the rules at the end just so Ohio State could get in. Uh, so I, I want to see how that's going to affect the NBA. You know, the NBA handled it the best last year. And that's going to be a, an, an important part of it. You, you don't want to have a situation where you lose James Harden for almost three weeks and it's the stretch where you're playing your you know you know your top division rivals and you have to do that without one of your main guys i mean that that that's a big deal so i, I think that but i i feel like um you look at what they have now and that's that's all we can go on because this is the team we have right now we don't know what kind of changes are going to be made they look like they can be a competitive team i mean they look like they can be extremely competitive and uh, and that's how it starts. You know, get yourself good seating during the regular season. Put yourself in a situation where you can excel in the playoffs. Get the best uh, situation you can. Um, so I'm just anxious to see. I mean, it's it's hard. To, I know it kind of seems like I'm – but it's hard to make a prediction. Yeah. Because we have not seen this unit as – you know, we've not seen James and John Wall together, uh, you know, Christian Wood's going to have to come in and contribute here. I mean, there's a lot of – factors that we have to see how this is going to go and like I said I didn't put much in the preseason games I mean I really don't you just kind of look at it because some of the guys playing you know that you have no shot at making the team and yeah. uh, but I just think the Rockets or they still have the base you know to be a successful team and we'll have to see what happens with James and the other side of it if for some reason they, he, he ended up going to another team they will be uh, compensated for James Harden. I mean, because yes. he's, he, if not the best player in the league, he's right up there in the top three. So uh, there will be some compensation coming in. There will be some other all-stars coming in, some players to do something with. So I think the Rockets are in good shape. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, it's, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing because there's a bunch of new players. And – you know, it definitely be interesting to see how it all comes together. And kind of before we wrap up uh, this podcast, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on uh, tonight's games, your predictions. We have uh, Brooklyn and Golden State, and then, of course, we have the Lakers and Clippers. Uh, what's kind of your predictions for the uh, NBA opening night? Man, I always take 
LBJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Clippers, I mean, I, that's, a, you know, and I'm not to digress too much here, but the Clippers, that's one of those weird things to me yes. because Doc Rivers <laughs> was a good coach, you know, when he, he was a good coach, but he couldn't get over the hump there. And I don't understand why. And especially last year when they had the lead in the series and they're all this stuff. So I just think, you know, opening night, you got LeBron. It's like showtime. I mean, how do you not go with the Lakers? I mean, you just can't. And I want to see Brooklyn. I mean, they're supposed to be a much improved team this year. Uh, We've heard a lot of stuff about a lot of people who are disgruntled. Hey, well, I want to go to Brooklyn. You know, trade me to Brooklyn. So (laughs) I'm anxious to see how that team is. But, uh you know, until somebody beats the Lakers, it's going to be LeBron and those guys. Yeah, that's true. It's a, definitely a great opening night slate. Uh, and it's just kind of crazy that basketball's already back. So <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it wasn't to a that. long break, was it? It was, it was no. a pretty quick turnaround. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and before we wrap it up today, could you, Butch, could you let us know everywhere, you know, that we can find your content? Yeah, you can find, I'm on Twitter and that's at Butch. Alcindor, A-L-S-A-N-D-O-R, and also on uh, Instagram at the same thing. Uh, it's under my name, Butch Alcindor. So I'd love for you to follow me and uh, keep up, and I will follow you back. So please do awesome. that. Awesome. <laughs> yes, definitely. And uh, uh, one other quick thing before we leave. Uh, so when the next time you're going to be on AT&T uh, Sportnet? Well, it, usually it doesn't start for me until in February whenever uh, you know the Astros go back to camp. Yes. And then because it, it, things get spread out a little bit, you know, Julio will be down in Florida with the team with some of those guys. Uh, sometimes Kevin has to go down to Florida. Yes. Uh, Kaylee will be with the Rockets. Uh, so then, it, you know, it gets to where that's where I usually get a lot of run with that. And then it just as people get, you know, just to fill in here or there, wherever they need it. So, but it usually doesn't start until in February, but that All wasn't right. the case. I say that and that wasn't the case last year because I did the, uh, yeah. uh, exhibition game against the uh shanghai sharks so uh it just it just depends on what's going on and like i said this year thanks to covid everything's up in the air that's true (laughs) everything's different (laughs) oh no doubt well thank you again i appreciate it like i said lots of great stories we could have did a two or three hour podcast on just all all the stories so i I definitely thank you again for for joining us It's, it's been great well, it was a lot of fun, LaShard, and uh, you stay safe and be well. Uh, you too. Thank you very much. And uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back on our next episode of the Launch Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.